0: Well, hey, everyone, welcome to another episode of Braxtech's Northridge Fellowship's youth podcast. Uh, Before we get into today's question, uh, I just want to remind you that we have uh, the option of asking your own questions. This summer is Ask Me Anything, so uh, there's a link um, that is sent out to your email, um, and uh, so you can access this Google Doc where you can ask me any question that you want, and uh, you can ask it anonymously there on the Google Doc and, uh, and then your question will be featured in one of these podcast episodes. You can also ask me these questions directly with that Google Doc as also my email and uh, you could just send me an email. Um, also my phone number is on that Google Doc and uh, you can just text me and then we can go ahead and get lunch and talk and uh, try to answer your questions in a little bit more personal way. So this week's main question, we'll see if we have time for a second, but seeing as how last time, uh, there was kind of this big question that kind of covered most of our of our time together. Uh, it, this might be the only one, but this question uh, I think is, is really relevant right now still as um, the Russia-Ukraine war continues. Um, this is the question that uh, that I got was, why didn't God stop the wars when he could have? That was the way that the question was asked. Um, so I assume that uh, the wars refers to the Crusades and such, um, but it could really, this question could apply to any war, right? Um, it could apply to the current Russia-Ukraine war, World War II, World War I, where there was more bloodshed. Uh, than ever before in, in human history, really, in, in the, those wars and, and such. So it could apply to any war. Um, and, and with that, it could really apply to any suffering, right? Like, why, um, you could say, you know, why, why does God let this war happen? And it ends up, you know, that war causes so many people to die. But you could also say, why, why didn't God stop cancer from being a thing? Um, when he could have. Um, see, so this, this question could apply to, to so much suffering, not just war. So you can see why it's actually a really important question too because, um, I mean, man, like, you could easily say this about, you know, if your, if your dad went away to war and, and died in in war, you could say, I mean, that, that hits home then, this question. Uh, you could also say this, again, broaden it out and make it about any kind of suffering, you know, why is it that my mom got cancer, um, you know, when, when God could have? And, and there's some assumed uh, knowledge going into this question, right? Th- this question assumes that God could have stopped these horrible events of, of suffering, of, of human suffering, right? Um, which I think assumes that God is all-powerful, um, that he knows what's going to happen, um, so there, there's some assumptions that go into this, but mainly just in what I'm talking about right now, I, I want us to see whether or not you're asking this question yourself, why this is an important question for people, because everyone deals with suffering. Um, so how you answer this question is, is going to um, either help or attempt to help someone who's going through suffering right now or is going to give them information that might help them later when they go into suffering so this is a really really important question and like how I answered last week uh, about um, what does the Bible say about hell um, and if you if you missed that I'm sorry for the audio quality um, hopefully this week's is a little bit better but I would recommend going ahead and, and listening to that podcast um, just how I an- like how I answered that question last week I want to try to answer in a similar way this week, of giving multiple views of how to answer this question, because, um, like I said last week, you don't have to believe in hell in order to not go there. I also want to show this week that you can have different answers to this question as a Christian and still be a Christian. You're not a bad Christian for having one answer versus another. Um, so, I want to give a few different views, at least two that I can think of. Um, as to how to answer this question so the first answer this way that i would answer this question um, would be uh, starting with this why did god create everything Um, and and the way that this uh, approach would say say it is that god created everything the entire universe the sun the moon the stars space time uh you know the fabric of of you know, gravity and however that works. Um, light, darkness, oceans, skies, clouds, meteorolo- meteorolo- meteorological meteorological whatever it. You know what I'm saying. Those events, uh, lightning, fish, whales, sharks, birds, animals, plants, people everything to glorify himself. So uh, Colossians 1, I think 16, all things were made through him and for him. All things were made through Jesus and all things were made for Jesus. And so if we say that God created the universe to glorify him, then we have to conclude that because God is all powerful and He could have stopped these wars, that He allowed these wars to happen to glorify Himself. And you would, I think, rightly ask, "How on earth could war glorify God?" Um, and that's a really good question. I mean, how, how does, how could war glorify God? And if war does glorify God, is God really worth? Is He a God worth glorifying? I think would be the next kind of question to follow up with that um and and i think it's it's hard for us to get our heads around this sometimes because we we aren't god and we don't know what it's like to be god and 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 all that but i think we can by analogy or um just in our own human experience we can kind of figure out how or in in some way we don't we don't like i can't claim to say, okay, this is how World War II glorified God, or this is how the Russian and Ukraine war glorified God. You know, I, I can't say that because I'm not, I'm not God, um, but you could figure out how it would work that war and suffering could somehow eventually glorify God. Um, so take this for an example. I'm, um, this, this is a real-life example from my life. Um, uh, my, my son Clint, he's like six months old and you know you have to go to the pediatrician to, to bring them in and to have their weight taken and, um, you know, measurements and typically this is when you get shots done and stuff like that for your kid if that's something that you do and, and um, so th- today, it's when he was like six months checkup um, we had one of those visits where he had to get shots and I'm holding my son, and he's just, he's six months old. He's a, if you've met my son, he's adorable. Um, and just totally in, innocent, looking up at me. I'm looking at him, smiling at him. And the nurse comes and takes a needle and pushes it, you know, um, injects the needle into his thigh. And, and you know, think about this. Proportionately, he, he has a much smaller leg than you and me, so that needle is a lot bigger proportionately so it's it's kind of like being stabbed in the leg with disease you know um, is what I just let happen to my son and um, in that moment I'm looking at my son and, and they inject the needle into his thigh and I see his face wrinkle up in pain and he starts to cry and everything in me in that moment hated what the nurse had just done to my son because he didn't deserve it. This suffering just came at him out of nowhere. Um, I mean, it'd be one thing if he was doing something wrong, and I had warned him that, hey, you know, you're going to get a a disease injection, you know, if if you keep this up, and then he keeps doing it. Like, that would be one thing, but he didn't do anything wrong. This just came at him out of nowhere. And so there seemed to me an an injustice about it um, that he got this pain for no reason and and as his dad i hated everything that happened to him in that moment the pain that he experienced and yet i'm still the one holding him and letting it happen why well you could say that i had two wills two desires for him in that moment the first will the first desire would be that my son would not experience pain um that's what I was feeling in that moment when they injected the needle into him I didn't want him to experience pain I hurt with him and was angry that he was in pain and at the same time uh, I have another will another desire that says I want my son to grow up happy and healthy and grow to long age without disease so On the one hand, I didn't want him to experience the needle in his body. On the other hand, I did want him to be without disease, and I wanted him to grow up healthy. So both of those desires were at work, and so I let the needle go into his leg because I knew that this would somehow turn for his good someday is that hopefully it would do its job, this injection, and he would be, his immune system would be protected from disease later on. So in the same way we could say that God of course does not want war to happen in the, in the, uh, on the one hand because there's suffering and there's evil and there's death and God doesn't want any of those things to happen. But on the other hand, he might be looking ahead to the future of what this war might cause and see that well ultimately this war will be used for humanity's good. Um, It might be like um, a needle causing a person to be injected with something that might cause their health later on. And we, we just don't know. And so ultimately, God glorifies himself in our world through loving people. And so whatever he does is ultimately going to be for the most amount of people's uh, best um, because he loves us. So that would be the first way of answering this question is to say that God was in control the entire time of all of these wars. He let these things happen because he ultimately saw that these things would be for um, are good somehow and that he because he wants to glorify himself with everything in this world he controls these things um with a lot of detail and um lets these things happen so that um, the most amount of people can be loved and he's and he's watching the plan and and he sees that these wars will somehow be better for us than something else um so that's the, the first way of answering this question. The second answer to this question is, is a little bit different. Um, and it would be something like this, um, which would be to say that, that God isn't, it's not like he's so in control of everything that, he can, that he'll just stop things from happening or start things happening. It's more like this and it's, it's more of a story. Um, So in Genesis uh, chapter 3, Adam and Eve are the rightful um, uh, co-rulers of the universe with God. Um, They are kind of uh, humanity, Adam and Eve, are are God's will on earth. Um, God tells them to do stuff and they do it. That's how God's will and power is exor- and his authority is exercised through this world. Um, humanity, Adam and Eve. And, and that is the case as long as they obey him, right? Because if they disobey him, well, then God's authority and power and what God wants to happen in this world is not being done. Um, if they just say no, well, then they're, they're going to cut off God's will and authority and power from acting into this world. So what happens in Genesis 3 is um, the snake, uh, the the accuser, Satan, uh, slips into the garden and tempts Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve obey Satan instead of God, because God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan tempts them. They obey Satan rather than God. And so then there is sin that is brought into this world and uh, evil is brought into this world. And how this story would go would be just like how God was um, the ruler of this world and then Adam and Eve are the, uh, the people who execute that rule and authority and, and what God wants to happen in this world they're the the way that that happens, um, they transfer, instead of being loyal and obedient to God, they become loyal and obedient to Satan. Satan enslaves them to do his will rather than God. Um, So what what happened then is that uh, Satan becomes the ruler of this world, not God. Um, And and Jesus even seems to allude to this um, when he's about to be arrested, Uh, I think it's in John's account, I think this is John 18, Um, where Jesus says, the ruler of this world stands condemned, he has no power over me. So he would be talking about Satan there. Satan being the ruler of this world who has no power over Jesus because Jesus has always obeyed God, never has obeyed, uh, never has obeyed Satan. Matthew 4 proves this where Satan tempts Jesus and he says no all the way through 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Um, because he obeys God all the time, not Satan, he's not Satan's slave. And John 8, even Jesus says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. So um, the dark forces of this world, Satan, and sin um become people's masters uh to do his satan's will the dark forces of this world to do their will which war is the will of um these dark forces um very very rarely do we see war being um the will of god the only times that we can see it really is in the old testament um where it's explicitly said that God uh, is commanding the Israelites to um, destroy these evil, idolatrous, um, sin-enslaved, sin-loving, darkness-bringing, evil-bringing, suffering-bringing people. Um, So, instead of viewing it as, well, this whole world is kind of neutral... Um, there's no outside influence besides God um, and God just lets these wars happen instead it would be uh, Satan has become ruler because we've let him become ruler we've given up the keys to this uh, earthly kingdom um, to him and now he rules and then Satan um, enslaves people to sin and then through that Satan's will is done which includes war so then you would ask okay well why hasn't God stopped Satan from bringing war isn't God all powerful well he is I, I, would, I think God is I think he can do whatever he wants um, that seems to be pretty clear from the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament God can do whatever he wants but um, he has set up this world this universe in a certain way uh, to operate and he has set it up so that humanity has to be enslaved to someone or a better way would to put it would be humanity has to have a king um, has to have a ruler we can't be our own rulers so it's either going to be god or all of these dark forces and we've chosen that all of these dark forces would be the the king uh, the kings and queens of of this world And so whenever we sin, we are obeying these kings and queens, uh, uh, you know, the dark forces of this world. Um, So if you are angry, you're obeying those dark forces of sin and evil. If you lust, you're obeying those dark forces of sin and evil. If you desire war, you're obeying. And, you know, some of this, like the desire for war, that that might be an oversimplification, but... um, you're obeying these dark forces and, and their rule rather than God's. Um, So God then is, would be saying, um, yeah, I am all powerful. However, we have a system here. (laughs) We're not just going to break. I've set the system up for a reason and, and I'm not just going to break it by coming in and, and saying, okay, humanity, you don't get uh, um, to, to choose who your ruler is going to be. It's just going to be me and I'm going to, kill all of these dark forces of you know satan and his demons and all that kind of stuff um rather what god has chosen to do is he has sent his son to create to bring be the um the king of the new kingdom so there's the old kingdom that god that humanity has handed the keys over to satan and his and his forces uh but now there's this new kingdom that jesus has brought And this new kingdom is saying, look, God's will is going to be done on earth again. So no more wars because we're not going to be angry with each other. We're not going to be greedy. We're not going to lust. We're not going to um, oppress people and pursue injustice. We're not going to steal. We're not going to murder. We're not going to lie. We're not going to do these things. And in fact, we're actually going to push back against the forces of darkness in this world. And we're going to bring healing. And we're going to bring life. And we're going to bring beauty and peace and harmony. And we're going to enjoy who God is. And we're going to enjoy one another and who God has made us to be. And we're going to enjoy the creation that God has made for us to Enjoy. so this would say then that the wars that have happened throughout human history have happened because satan is ruler of this world and god has not been ruler of this world because we've chosen satan rather than god but god has come in the person of jesus jesus god himself has come to put an end to all war because this planet was not made for war. We were not made for war. So God has come with a new kingdom, and he invites us all into it. And I would say, um, based off of that, it, it would seem like people of the new kingdom um, don't bring um, that's not That's not something that we bring. So Russia and Ukraine, for instance, that's not a kingdom thing to do. (laughs) Um, Putin is is acting as a servant, as a slave to Satan and the dark forces of this world. Um, He has chosen to live under that rule rather than God's rule, and that's why there's this war. So I, I hope that both of these ways of answering the question are, are helpful. They definitely have different emphasis, uh, emphases, whereas one is looking at uh, God's power to do whatever he wants. Um, the other is looking more at the story of creation and why God wouldn't step in is because he's created this system um, of, uh, of how the world is run and ruled and who by um so i hope that's helpful um let me see here if uh if there's oh this is a this i like this question um so this question is is the whole bible a prayer because the last word in the bible is amen um so that's at the end of revelation um let me just really quick See if I can pull that up for you, and I can read that to you. Uh, Sorry, okay, here we go. Revelation 22, Um, and this is, uh, I think, let me see. Um, This is John writing. He says, the spirit and the bride say come, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So, uh, be with all, actually. I think is how that said, not with you all. Um, so anyway, uh, is the whole Bible a prayer, is, is the question. Uh, and the Bible is full of prayers. Um, it, I mean, tons of the Psalms are, are prayers. Um, and, and the Psalms are actually um, prayers that would be sung to God. That's kind of a lot of what worship is in, in the Old Testament, at least, um, and I think would be a component of worship today would be that um, they are things that we are communicating to God, and that makes them, in a sense, prayer. Um, so there's those prayers, there's Prayers in the Old Testament, Um, Moses praying as he's talking with God, Um, Solomon, King Solomon's prayer, especially when he is asking God's presence to fill the temple that he has built so that people can pray in the temple or towards the temple for God to have mercy on them and to um, save them, and God will. Um, so that that's a prayer jesus has prayers in the in the new testament for sure there's um you know the lord's prayer in matthew 6 there's jesus's high priestly prayer in john 17 um there are prayers in acts all over the place um acts 4 has a prayer um so there's lots and lots and lots of prayers in the bible old testament and new testament but but the bible itself is not a prayer um The Bible is a lot of different works of literature that have been put together by people over the years who have been trying their best to listen to God and and see, okay, you know, I I think that God God has composed um, the parts of the Bible, and it's kind of hard to say because the Bible itself never says that God has um, necessarily put the Bible together because the Bible wasn't totally done yet um but um there are so many different works of literature within the bible there's history like historical work um you know uh exodus is is largely a historical work uh first and second samuel first and second kings those are historical works chronicles those are historical works um but then you have different types of genre, like, like psalms. Uh, that's a hymn book, um, so you wouldn't read psalms the same way you, you would read these historical books. It would be much more like, you know, if you did... The historical books are, are like reading a history textbook a little bit more like that, and then psalms is more like reading poetry. And if you try to read, um, you know, psalms like you're reading... Uh, historical work things get weird um, there are uh, there are works of prophecy um, that have a lot of poetry in it but also some historical elements and, and then there's what's called apocalyptic literature that's um, more known like in in daniel or revelation these are kind of the the most obvious apocalyptic literature where things are just, like there's weird symbolism and stuff where there's like angels that are covered in eyes and there are beasts with big wings and most of this is symbolic um and they're trying to say something about what they're writing who they're writing about or the historical events they're writing about by using such symbolic language um so there's lots of different genres within the Bible of different books of the Bible. And people wrote them under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And, uh, and then we, that's what we have now is, is the Bible, all 66 books. Um, but to answer the question, is the Bible a prayer? Uh, no. Uh, and, the, and the reason I say that is because the question was asked, Because, the question was asked because the last word in the Bible is amen. Um, But if you look at the context, which is very important when you're reading the Bible, um, is it seems to me um, that verse 21 of of Revelation 22, so for one, you have to know, Revelation was not intended to be the last book of the Bible. Like I said, they didn't have the Bible at the time. All they had was the Old Testament. Then they just had these uh, written gospels, um, written letters from Paul and the other uh, disciples and apostles, um, and these were just a collection of works. They didn't have these things put together as a new, what we call the New Testament. I think until, gosh, I think 300 uh, is when they had actually assembled the whole thing and said that this is the New Testament. Um, and this is what we consider to be the New Testament. These books, not other books, because there were other books that were written. The Gospel of Thomas is one of them. The Gospel of Judas is one of them. The Gospel of Peter is one of them. Um, And they weren't included in the New Testament. And there's lots of very good reasons for why they weren't included in the New Testament. Um, But uh, we don't have time to get into that now. Um, But I say that to say this, is that Revelation was not intended as... You know, it wasn't like John was writing his, new, his next section of the Bible. Like, he knew that these other guys had finished their sections, and now he was going to write the last section, and he knew it was going to come at the end. Um, so the author didn't intend this to be the last book of what he knew to be the Bible, because there was no New Testament yet. Um, so we have to consider that. This was just a, uh, a work that was written... Um, A letter that was written to seven churches different um, uh, Congregations Um, Ephesus and Laodicea are the the two that I remember I think Pergamum was another but anyway He's writing a letter to be delivered to seven different church congregations that would would meet locally Um, So when he says the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all Amen that part is a prayer he is praying that the grace of the Lord, ruler of this universe, Jesus, would be with all. And then he says, amen, let it be so. Um, so, all of, that, all of that to say, the Bible has a lot of different writings in it. It's The Bible itself is not a prayer, um, but those last words are a prayer. And I think that that's important for us to, to, to know, is that the way that God set it up, at least, is that the last thing that we would read in our New Testament, in the whole Bible, if you're going from Genesis, all the, Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21 is that the grace of the new ruler of this new kingdom would be with everyone. Amen. So, I hope that uh, you found all this helpful. Until next time, Go and tell them to come and see.